Justified Season 6, Episode 2, Cash Game is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. I'm Josh Wiggler here with the Justified Podcast, and I am joined by my co-host who I will choo-choo-choose every day of the week, Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, how are you? I'm, I'm not following you, Josh. You're not following me as in you're not following the joke that I made, or you're not following me currently like you're not following my trail? I'm, I'm not following you. Okay, well, I'm not following you either. Well, we're in good shape then. Uh, this is going to be a bad podcast. Yes, today, yeah, because we're not. Neither of us is following each other. Nobody's following anything that's going on with each other or on Justified, unfortunately. So it's just going to be a disaster this week. A little bit of a train wreck. Ah, a choo-choo train wreck. Choo-choo train wreck. No, it's not going to be a choo-choo train wreck. It's going to be a great time. Lots to talk about. From I guess what was kind of a slower episode of Justified, certainly than the season premiere. But that's a tough act to follow. Anyway, the death of Dewey Crow. How are you going to follow that up? Yeah, it's going to take a few episodes to get back to that level, I think. And that's fine because we've got a we've got a lot of service to do to some of these new characters. Yeah, there's a lot going on. You know, we, we get to meet this. What are they? The Tiger Hawk crew? Tiger Hawk security? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So we, we finally know who Garrett Dillahunt is. His name is Ty Walker. He's part of this Tiger Hawk crew. Who knows what they're up to? Uh, we got to meet, as we mentioned, Choo Choo, who, where has this guy been all of our lives, Antonio? This guy's I know, incredible. this guy's great. Uh, apparently, he's an MMA fighter. Did you know this? Yeah, I had heard that, and he is, uh, he actually... Duke Davis were, Roberts, I believe is the name. He jumped on the, the Reddit thread to discuss the episode, and he posted a bunch of proof that it was him, and he talked about his experiences on the show, and how he loved the show, and wanted to be on it, and it was just a real pleasure, and uh, he's a lot more articulate on on reddit than he is in the show so oh there you God. go if I, I mean, just, this is like we had a character named yolo and now we've got choo choo like what is justified giving us it's really a bummer that yolo is dead so that yolo and choo choo can't cross paths <laughs> yolo choo choo would be the train that i would ship yeah that is, <laughs> the ship that you would train or that the train would be that the you ship would ship that i would train i'm not following you antonio all right i got you uh we talk a lot about uh chekhov's whatever just on post-show recaps, but on the Justified podcast in general. Choo Choo introduces himself as a guy who has his name because when he hits you, it feels like you're hit by a Choo Choo train. Is this guy going to get run down by a train? Some kind of train death is in this guy's future, right? Wow. I mean, I hadn't really thought about that, but the, the poetry is certainly there. I'm, sure. If you're going to name a guy Choo Choo and you're going to make him that big, it's I don't know. Raylan maybe would have to shove him in front of a train because I, I got to think this guy's got meeting his maker at the hands of Raylan written all over him. It, it looks like it. Or at least Raylan being a, a witness to his demise. Yeah, maybe maybe Tim Gutterson, maybe. I, I think, you know, just thinking about that right now, actually, I kind of almost enjoy it more when Raylan is witness to people dying than actually doing the killing. Uh, yeah. like, like I'm thinking, I'm thinking of uh, quarrels back in season three where he really didn't do anything to see quarrels, get his arm chopped off. He just kind of was there to watch. Uh, yeah. Even with, with Daryl Crow and, and with, with Danny Crow, he kind of is just there. Yeah, that one's great. And, and it's pretty great in, in certain instances when he relays those to art, you know, it's like, did he die? Yeah, but I didn't do it. Yeah, you know? I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Danny, if I'd known that hole was there, I would have told you. So so what else happened in this episode? So we got Ty Walker. We got we got the choo-choo train. We got sea bass. So we have that whole Tiger Hawk contingent. We also got the debut of Sam Elliott. This oh, week. my what, gosh, what Sam Elliott. What did you think of that? Sam Elliott, the, the, first of all, Sam Elliott introduced by voice alone, smoking, smoking reefer. So that was fantastic. That was just like, wow, here we go. Like this is, I mean, it, I was thinking, is there a better TV character or just actor period to, to record your outgoing voicemail than Sam Elliott? No. 
You, that's the top of the list. I think that. Uh, I mean, personally, Ron Swanson would be pretty good. Ron Swanson would be really good. I personally the message would, on a phone. I would. I would advocate for for Nicolas Cage would be would be good for me, <laughs> just because I'm a big Nicolas Cage fan. Are you taking National Treasure, Nicolas Cage, like the somewhat hinged, like on top of things, Nicolas Cage? Or are you going like full blown Wicker Man, Nicolas Cage? No, I think I'm just having him say it's my voicemail. This is you've reached Josh Wiggler's voicemail. Uh, that's not very good, Nicholas Cage. Uh, <laughs> I think that would be fun. I'd like that. You you would pick Sam Elliott or Ron Swanson? I think I'd I'd go for yeah I'd I'd go for Nick Offerman or Sam Elliott. Those are two pretty top notch uh, voicemail voices. I, I just think Sam Elliott. You just can't do much better than the Stranger from the Big Lebowski or all the many you know Western type roles that he's played. I think he's he's just covered so much ground with that voice, and it's it's so perfect. The minute you uh, except for. Coors. I wouldn't want people to associate my voicemail with Coors, the banquet beer. You mentioned the stranger from Big Lebowski, and I believe that Iceland got a shout out in. Yes, I thought of you, Josh. Do you have the kind of coat you need? Yeah, yeah. I was just in Iceland, for anyone who doesn't know. I was there over over New Year's. Uh, Did you know, Antonio, that there is a bar in Iceland, in Reykjavik, the city in Iceland, the big city. Well, not big city because it's not a big city, but the city in Iceland, Reykjavik, has a bar called Lebowski Bar. That's crazy. There is a coffee shop, which is uh, slang for something a little more than coffee in Amsterdam. I think it's just called Lebowski. Oh, my God. Well, that is even more fitting for for this character that Sam Elliott is playing, who is clearly (laughs) uh, reefer madness for this guy. Yeah, you get the impression that he's kind of come from Colorado or somewhere out there where he's had no problem kind of uh, kind of cultivating this sort of uh, high, high, high society taste for marijuana. And it's just a. even even though he's Sam Elliott, last time I've seen him on TV, he is is sort of the doppelganger to Ron Swanson on Parks and Recreation, and he's a hippie on that show. Uh, He clearly has a dark edge on Justified, so I'd like to get it. We'll definitely get into that here. Absolutely. And then and then one other thing just to set the table is how happy were you to see Buddy Garrity on Justified? How? Why did it take this long? Why did it take so long to get Buddy Garrity on Justified as a realtor? No, I was going to say, what does this show have against realtors? We got Gary and 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 Brad Leland, uh, Buddy Garrity just uh they're just slime balls is is it uh realtor or realtor i still Re- don't know i think it's hashtag realtor realtor i'm not following you <laughs> i'm not following what you're, what you're talking about there anyway so obviously there's a lot going on with this episode which was definitely a little bit of a slower episode but a big setup episode i think uh for for what's to come in the rest of season six and i personally antonio am fairly confused on a lot of this so hopefully you can help me out yeah, we'll give it a shot. I, I think I'm in the dark a little bit, but uh, hopefully we'll follow each other. OK, uh, one other thing just before we get going, because why not? We're uh, a little we're past like the six or we're getting to the seven minute mark right about now as we're recording this. Why not talk about something else before we talk about the episode? I saw you uh, post something on Facebook, Antonio, today about Justified, but it wasn't really about it was about something that I, I wouldn't have expected to see. It was like justified characters by the drink. What what was this that you posted today? Yeah, and I, we can include this in the show notes. We've talked a lot in this podcast about whiskey and Kentucky's long history with bourbon whiskey and the way that the show uses bourbon to kind of uh, give character notes. So uh, the perfect example is Emmett Arnett, the sort of Dixie Mafia type guy in Frankfurt in the early seasons of the show is often seen drinking Pappy Van Winkle. We've talked about a really, really high quality bourbon, but he's pouring it into his coffee, which is sort of a character note that suggests that he's very excessive. Like he's so 
it's just sort of the, the sort of thing that you would know. It's like putting caviar on a hot dog. It's like a crazy thing to do that you would never really think. And it, and it just screams excess. So that's a big, like kind of subtle character note that if you know the bourbon and you know the guy, then you know, oh my God, this is meant to say this guy's wasteful. So there's an article that kind of talks about what each character's bourbon of choice is and what that says about them. Uh, and that's definitely mentioned in there. We did get a Pappy mention uh, in this episode, Pappy Van Winkle mentioned in this episode uh, using bourbon again uh, as a character note. So the show kind of does that throughout. It's one of the little flavor of Kentucky kind of notes that they put uh, in the series. And it, it does resonate really well with me. So uh, it's an interesting article. and We'll make sure it's included in the show notes for this show. All right, cool. We'll make sure to include that. All right. So let's hop into this. This episode called Cash Game. You like the name of the episode, Antonio? Yeah, I mean, I think that when you talk about being confused, I do think that that uh, that there's some sort of cash game going on here, and it's not directly clear right away exactly what kind of cash game Tiger Hawk is playing. But I think ultimately that is what they're doing. Oh yeah, absolutely. I just don't know exactly what it is they're doing. Yeah, no, nor do I. Okay, so. I think that's the point right now. We're not supposed yep. to know entirely what's going on. Um, yep. So we begin the episode at Ava Crowder's. Uh, Ava, who is just having a terrible time this season, uh, torn between uh, ratting out Boyd to Raylan and also being afraid for her life, and maybe still having some semblance of feelings of, of feelings for Boyd. Uh, and she hears a noise out in the shed. Uh, and her first instinct is to go out there with a revolver, uh, because that's just where we're at with Ava at this point. You know, don't don't leave your house without a gun, I think, if you're Ava Crowder. Yeah. And and I, I don't know about you, but I certainly don't think that I would. I think that she's in a tough spot, knows she's in a tough spot. And she has I mean, we saw the last episode ended with Boyd watching her while she slept. So I'm not even sure she knows what kind of spot she's truly in. Yeah. I don't even know if she knows that Boyd was watching her while she slept. I don't think so. Uh, which is really creepy. <laughs> it's just really it would be less creepy if she knew that if she like ah, Boyd comes over at night and watches me sleep. It's totally fine. I mean, the whole thing is just disastrously creepy. Yeah, I agree. It's I really, agree. It's, it's really not creepy. it's not good. And, you know, there are there are notes throughout this episode where where there are just like little conversations between Catherine Hale and Wynn Duffy, for example, where they indicate to each other that they're skeptical of Ava being released for prison. So it's getting to the point where you wonder, is does Boyd have a blind spot? Uh, or or is he onto it and he really just isn't really admitting to himself yet exactly how onto it he is. Yeah, I feel like that's an interesting question that really we could talk about right now because it's it's Boyd in the shed and, you know, he's going to get some paint. Uh, he's left behind the documents that he stole from the bank in, in the previous episode, in the premiere, um, and Ava finds them and takes them and is going to give them to Raylan. So is he leaving? Is he leaving these documents behind as entrapment for Ava to to feel her out, to test her out, or is he? You know, when he's angry later on in the episode and is suspicious of her later on in the episode, is that because now suddenly the documents are gone? Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a very, it's a valid question, and I don't know the answer to that. I think that he does perceive her as safe and he perceives her house and her realm as safe for him. And so I do think on some level that part of why he left the documents there is because that is his safe spot. And he knows that that was his kind of his thing that he had to hold out to get anything out of Catherine and Wynn or, or to take care of his crew. So I think on some level he does perceive Ava as safe. Now, why he's not keeping her in the loop on things. That's a very valid question. Uh, There were times where he's kept her out of the loop before, so this isn't anything particularly new. 
Um, however, he has every reason to keep her out of the loop now. And we just saw him watching her while she slapped. So I do think that there's some element of purpose in, in terms of keeping her out of the loop. Right. Well, it's interesting because, you know, they're both keeping each other out of something. Ava's keeping Boyd out of her bedroom and Boyd is keeping her out of the office, you know, keeping, right. her, keeping her out of the work life. So, you know, Boyd wants something and Ava is putting on the front that she wants something as well. So these are just two doors that they don't seem to be ready to open up, at least at this point in the episode. I think we could talk about that later on as to whether or not those doors are opening up again. Yeah, or, or exactly, or, or whether or not they're, they're pretending to open them. But right. yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I like this scene too. Yeah, this is where, where Ava says, where are we going to go? Uh, where, where is it that you want us to go? And Boyd says, anywhere as long as it's with you and she says what about iceland and i was like you know iceland's pretty good uh you might <laughs> like iceland actually i don't know how boyd crowder would probably look good with like a canadian goose coat yeah i i don't know I'm, I'm picturing boyd crowder in what i picture to be iceland and i feel like he sticks out like a sore thumb there uh i mean no more than uh you know like a five six chubby jew like myself but i guess i did <laughs> stick out a little bit i guess i did but he'd get by i mean people in iceland they speak english they all speak english pretty much uh, you know, you got to deal with, with, uh, you know, I think something like 20 hours of darkness during the winter months and 20 hours of daylight during the summer months. But, uh, so crime would be bad if he, if he wanted to keep being a criminal, it'd be bad in the summer, but in the winter, he'd be able to get away with a lot. You do know? they have, do they have banks in Iceland? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think they use money. No, they don't have uh, snow banks. They no, don't they, use money. No, they just barter. <laughs> <laughs> the whole, every, con- the yeah, whole, the whole country's, country's on, economy is yeah, a barter it's on, system it's on good faith and they trade on hot dogs oh that's i don't know about iceland icelandic hot dogs are awesome by the way what are they made out of uh lamb primarily i believe and then lots of toppings like ketchup and like the spicy mustard and remoulade and some crispy onions did you just go to one place or did you go to like multiple places? Like, did you just find one hot dog restaurant in Iceland? Hot dogs are very common throughout Iceland, but there's one in particular, which name I'm going, I'm going to butcher the name. It's something like Pilser. I don't know. Uh, you'll find out. Do some Googling. You'll find it. It's the one that Bill Clinton went to. Okay. Bill Clinton does like hot dogs. Bill Clinton loves hot dogs. And they actually have, when, when you only get the hot dog with mustard, they call it the Clinton. It's called getting the Clinton. <laughs> I've used that phrase in my life. Yes, and many many people have, even <laughs> if they haven't come out and said it. Uh, what else? Did you, you know what else I liked about this scene was was the brief mention of Dewey, just so offhandedly, where yeah. Boyd says, "Like, hey, I was trying to find some paint. Dewey was supposed to drop some by. Did you see him?" No problem, just throwing his name around. That what? Boyd Crowder is harmless. What a dick! Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, come on. Did you see my friend Dewey Crow? Oh, that's right, you didn't, because I killed him. So, so what do you think? What is Boyd? Is Boyd losing any sleep over that at all, or is he over it already? It seems like he's over it, doesn't it? Oh my god, it seems like everybody's over it. But like, it, and it's not. It's not that distant. Like we see the the detritus of Dewey being cleaned up in a later scene. So right. it just happened. This is like a day later. Right. Well, we got to talk about that later on. Yeah. Um, well, we got to check off situation. There. Yes, of course. Uh, so Ava, she finds she finds the envelope. She's going to contact Raylan about that. Then we have the scene at the marshal's office, which I I took the long and short of to be that. So the banker from the bank robbery is not going to talk 
because she's what she's got Harlan loyalty. What's the what's the reason why the banker isn't going to talk? Yeah, there's a couple reasons, right? They're, it's either because they're loyal or because they're afraid. Either they don't like the government, and we we call them revenueers, like just tax agents or whoever census agents. I mean, there was a there was a kind of a weird scandal in Kentucky, no less than like uh, ten years ago, probably more like five, where a former government agent was killed, and there were there were uh, I think the words IRS were kind of put on a sign and his body was found in the woods and he was holding it. And people thought that he might've been killed because he was a government agent, which is sort of like 1930s cartoon type stuff. Like it doesn't, you don't expect that to happen. And uh, I don't know if that was ultimately what the story was, but there is definitely a reputation in, in that part of the state where a lot of this show is set that outsiders, especially government people are not, are not wanted. And then, like they said, their flip side of it is there are also people that are scared of people like Boyd Crowder, uh, and they won't talk for that reason. So it's not 100 percent clear in this scene exactly why she won't talk. But it's one of those reasons. Either she's loyal and she doesn't like government influence and outsiders or she's afraid of Boyd. Uh, or maybe she just wants to look at a random Internet baby. That's also possible. What did you think of that? Ray and look at random, random Internet baby. It's just good banter, right? It's good justified level exchange between Raylan and Tim there. Uh, and Raylan is uh, is interested in, in walking and he doesn't want to miss things. So I like that, that that little character note where Raylan really is thinking about Florida. This isn't a situation where we saw in, in maybe the beginning of season five where the child's in Florida and he gets even gets down to Florida and doesn't really have an interest in going to see it, that he's putting the job first. Here we see him doing his job but thinking about his family uh, and that's two episodes in a row where we kind of see the stakes that Raylan's got in play uh, and later in this episode we hear him kind of say I don't want to miss her taking her first steps so I want to make sure I get there before that so I like the true actual sense of familial urgency that Raylan's got which is sort of different for the character even than previ- like the previous season. Yeah I think that that was season five's journey for Raylan in a lot of ways that maybe we didn't even talk about too much in our season five podcast of Raylan kind of rejecting that idea of getting into his personal life and really digging into his professional life. And as you know, the secret about what he was involved in with with the Nikki Augustine thing as that comes out and art starts to judge him and Raylan starts to realize maybe it's time to pick up and move on. I think that he really is ready to be a dad now, except for this one last thing he really has to take care of. And when he does get through it, he'll be happy to, to go down and be Willa's father and, you know, be there for Winona. But I think, you know, it, it's interesting that that he's come to this place and it'll be interesting to see if he can get all the way down there. Uh, I think yeah, he's like, he's like a Kenny Powers type at this point. Maybe he's coming full circle. I think this is the first time and maybe only time that anyone has or will compare Raylan Givens to Kenny Powers. <laughs> well, they both have Southern roots. Does that make uh, Tim his Stevie Janowski? Oh my gosh, no. I don't. I, that's like Dewey Crow. You know, I don't know. They're always coming into contact. I guess Tim is his sort of second though. So yeah. that would be his that would be his Stevie if you wanted to go purely on professional dotted lines. Yeah. Getting a lot of Tim this season, uh, Antonio. I'm getting a little worried for Tim. I really we already talked. I think that he was my number one pick in I, the I'm in the death you. pool. I'm I'm with you. I'm starting to see where you're coming from. I'm yeah. starting to see why why you would be afraid of uh, what might happen to to Tim Gutterson here. And he's even kind of running some solo missions we're about to see. So it's not, I mean, he's putting himself out there and he put himself out there a little too many times. I think that you could, it's like Raylan. How many times can he put himself in a situation where he's around the kind of people that might draw on him? 
uh, and expect and expect to walk out of there alive. Art's already set that up. You know, we don't always walk out alive. Like it doesn't always work out that way. So the more and more Tim puts himself in jeopardy, the more and more I'm like, you're a sniper. You're not Raylan Givens. You're not a cowboy. So let's be very careful here. And one other thing I will say to that, that Justified has done a pretty subtle job of is I think that throughout the course of the first two the first two three seasons when we see Raylan kind of integrating into the office one of the things we we see is I I think we get a note a character note for Rachel at one point that she's separated from her spouse yes and certainly that could be the job but that's a very Raylan thing that happened to her Uh, and we see Tim kind of going off the rails and being like well I took you downstairs like you you know I did my job like oh I want to go down to Harlan and and search with you for the next hour before they get on to it. So Tim's got a little bit of the wild man in him that Raylan's feeding. So we see Raylan has rubbed off on his coworkers, I think, in certain ways. And to the extent that he's rubbed off on Tim to make him be one more of want to be more of a cowboy, I just don't think that's going to end well for Tim. Yeah, I actually have something to float about how I think Tim could go later on, but we'll, we'll get there. All right, all right. All right. Uh, so yeah, and, and then basically there's this meeting between Rachel and Raylan and Tim and, and Vasquez, and they're talking about, why are you getting nothing out of, out of Ava? Uh, and Raylan, Raylan's not thrilled with that line of questioning. No, because I think Raylan, and this is this is good. Raylan's kind of playing the hard ass with Ava last episode, but here we see that he he want he recognizes that it's more of a long term kind of thing. In that we can't go day by day with Ava and expect you know well to to take like the market report that way. We have to you can't you have to kind of support her, push her, prod her, feed her, drag her along, try to bring her kicking and screaming into this, uh, and and maybe you're more likely to get a better result than if you just shove everything down their throat. So it's interesting that he's playing the hard ass to Ava, but in the next scene, basically that he's talking about her uh, on the next episode, he's very soft and saying let's let's be patient. This will work out. Right. Yeah. I also I, I kind of wonder if it's, you know, he wants it to work out. You know, I, th- I think it's it's you know, he's hard with her, but I feel like, you know, he has he has a soft side for Ava Crowder, I'm sure. You know, is there is there a piece of him that really wants the Ava thing to work out so that this can you know work out for her? Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, he, he's, he's talking about tidying up his business in Harlan County. This was, you know, one of the big first things that he did in Harlan County was getting Ava out of a jam with Boyd. Does he want to, you know, follow through on that on that, you know, mission that he started, you know, all those seasons ago? Yeah. And I don't think he wants to send her back to jail and I don't think he wants to jeopardize her life, but I do think that he wants to get Boyd. And yeah. so it's, it's definitely something to watch where those two kind of forces internal collide in Raylan, the desire to, to get Boyd at all costs and to maybe not at all costs to kind of play the long game and to build a Rico case, which is sort of not Raylan's game. Typically Raylan's game typically is put the person in a position where you're in a confrontation with them and you have to draw and then kill them. And, and that's the Rico case thing is the exact opposite of that. It's let's build a organized crime kind of case against, against Boyd. Let's come up with as much as we can to show the organization, to show multiple incidents, to show this pattern. Let's not really even catch him in the act in one individual thing. If we're going to build a Rico case, who cares about just stolen property? We'll just add that to the pile. And and that's different than, than kind of putting himself in the position where he normally does. So I think that does require him to, to 
sort of temper his normal enthusiasm for going after people. Uh, and what that means about Ava, I think, is that he, he wants her it, he wants it to work out like he does want her to give to give him more than one kind of thing and to be a long term source of information rather than just like, oh, we got him with some stolen property. Let's, let's bring him in. Right, right. Um, so let's move on to the next scene. This is a, the great Garrett Dillahunt scene from the beginning of the episode where he comes, he's doing his thing where he's, he's showing up to people's houses and he wants to buy their property. And this is yet another people, another group of people in Harlan who are pretty defiant and no amount of money is going to buy them out. Yeah. Is, is he a peacock, Josh? Oh, a goddamn peacock. <laughs> he gets so upset. I love it. It's like uh, peacocks are to Garrett Dillhunt, to Ty Walker as chickens are to Marty McFly. You don't call this man a peacock. No, no. And I don't know if he doesn't. If it, this is a thing that is a phrase that didn't really land with me, that doesn't have any resonance with me. And I'm not sure it had any resonance with him other than he just felt really taken aback by it. I don't yes. know if it was something that he felt like he was just like peacock, like peacock. He just said it multiple times, like a peacock, like that's what you're going to call me. That's that's really weird. I don't know. He well, just, I mean, like if somebody in the heat of the moment got really angry at you and called you a peacock, I feel like it's a Russell Feathers type of moment where you just stop down. and You're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is this a peacock yeah, yeah you're probably right you know that's just a strange thing to call somebody you're unless there's right. another connotation that uh i don't know i mean we could search urban dictionary let's not i don't know that we like, should but no, I, don't, I don't know there's I a lot we really want to there's a couple parts to that word that could really it could be really bad. be yeah both that could be words, both both parts are really not great uh it could combine to be something pretty pretty gross yeah, uh, yeah so yeah. you know we can leave that alone but yeah so ty walker he's he's up to no good uh he he really he's really after some property do you have any theories about what he's going after here no i i don't i mean <clears throat> the thing is the 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 and it's just i mean this is good writing and it's uh it's kind of classic justified writing in some respects because i don't remember exactly the character's name but with the black pike mine this is a very typical situation in kentucky and we've seen it play out in justified in different seasons in multiple ways outsider comes into the state uh wants something in particular and and kind of talks to the locals and either either has varying success or doesn't do a very good job of what they're doing uh because they find that the locals are a tougher nut to crack than they expected. And that happened with Quarles. That happened with the Black Pike Mine. And it's certainly happening with Ty Walker. So I don't know exactly what he's up to. Uh, but I do like that this is kind of of that same mold uh, in that, you know, Outsider comes in. Is he trying to buy your mineral rights? Is he trying to frack your shale? Is he trying to dig for coal? Like, what's he trying to do with your land? We don't want to sell. We've seen this too many times. Right. Uh, it's interesting. I, I, I really, I'm, I'm curious to see where this one's going. Uh, also, I'm starting to realize one of the reasons why I like Garrett Dillahunt so much is that, like, he's basically, he's, he's a Will Forte clone, right? Doesn't he look exactly like Will Forte? He does look a little like Will Forte, except maybe like a foot taller. <laughs> a foot taller, but I feel like we're missing something if there isn't a movie sometime in the next five years where Will Forte and Garrett Dillahunt are brothers. Especially like Will Forte playing his younger brother. Maybe MacGruber too, and he can be like MacGruber's older brother. Yeah, and he's like a villain or something. Like he turned evil instead of being a hero. Yeah, I would, he'd be MacGruber. <laughs> MacGruber? MacGruber? Yeah, that, we get, we're getting in trouble with that one, I think. I'm not following you. Yeah, following well, that's okay. Um, all right, let's go to Catherine Hale's hotel room. Great place to be, by the way. Uh, you have to get your own coffee, though, which is kind of awkward. Uh, let's, you know, we're going to talk, I'm sure, about the fact that Sam Elliott is showing up on Justified Sans Mustache. 
Yeah. Can we take a moment? Just a second here. It's our first Win Duffy sighting of the season. And, can, and, and can what's we just, back? Can we, can we raise the roof? I'm raising the roof right now because Win Duffy's mustache is back. The Win Stash. Uh, the Win Stash, it's full of Win, and Wiggler's a happy Wiggler today. I'm very happy about this. Win Stash is back. It's, I'm still raising the roof, by the way. It's, it's back. I'm really happy. What did you think? Were you happy to see the, the Win I got an exclamation back? mark in my notes. I'm, I'm, I was fired up the Win Stash was yeah. back. I was like, Win has his mustache back. That's my that's my note i was i was very excited it's very yeah. good yeah and then Catherine is offering boyd to put her shoes on and they look very uncomfortable to him yeah, that was really funny too <laughs> well i don't know they look pretty uncomfortable uh, <laughs> that was really good yeah it's a good scene and i i think it it makes sense it makes sense to have this scene at this point in the in the season of uh you know Catherine, at, at least Catherine, if not Win, Catherine certainly has every reason in the world to not trust Boyd Crowder based on Boyd's reputation, based on what she's seen Boyd do. This man threw a cigarette bomb at a guy and blew him up in the couch of her hotel room. Uh, so every reason in the world for Catherine Hale not to trust Boyd. And, you know, he is not coming back with the big score. Uh, I guess the score was he's supposed to be finding out where Calhoun keeps his money. Uh, Calhoun being the Buddy Garrity character. That, at least that's what I got, right? That there's $3 million of Calhouns that Catherine Hale is after. Yeah. And I don't know exactly where, what that, this is all, this is where the web of complexity starts, right? Because Calhoun, we hear about Calhoun the first time in the scene with Garrett Dillahunt and the couple. He's, they say, your associate came, came by earlier and he says, oh yeah, that was my associate Calhoun Schreier. And he kind of drops the name. So he's been sending Buddy Garrity around to buy up some real estate for him. And he's been following up on some of it. But he talks about at some points working for a boss. So he's working for somebody. Right. And then in the next scene, when we talk about Calhoun, we, we find that uh, that Boyd was looking for Calhoun's money, that there was supposed to be three million dollars in cash in those in those safe deposit boxes. And instead, what we found in Calhoun's safe deposit box was a ledger and some deeds. So we don't exactly know what that is, but we do know that Boyd's not lying. Uh, so what we know at this point is Calhoun has been working with Garrett Dillahunt. Calhoun, Catherine Hale and Win Duffy expected Calhoun to have three million in cash in in the safe deposit box. And all that was there was a ledger. But we don't know yet. Like, why did they expect all that money to be in the in the in the safe deposit box? And where are they getting this money from? And why, and, and so on. So it's a little bit convoluted. It's a little bit convoluted. And then I think that the other thing that's that's a big deal from this scene, which we already alluded to is Catherine Hale is going to ask the very pointed question of, hey, isn't it a shock that your fiance got out of jail the way she did? And Boyd is not interested in talking about that at all. Sore subject for Boyd Crowder. No, he's like, you can talk to me about just about anything. You can talk to me about all these things, but you can't talk to me about my fiance. Like it's not a, it's, it's a very touchy subject. Yeah. yeah. Cl- and closed topic. This is the thing. Is it closed? Because he deep down does know that she probably shouldn't be out of jail and that there's probably something more to the story. Or is it closed because he's on bad terms with her and he doesn't want to get into affairs of the heart? Yeah. It's an ongoing question about, about how much does Boyd know versus how much is he just, you know, really sensitive about Ava right now because it's not going well. Uh, I think that that's going to be an ongoing question until, you know, the shoe drops where he I mean, he's going to find out eventually. It's the final season of Justified. This secret doesn't stay locked forever. But uh, I think I think that's going to be that's going to be the big one for him to, to wrestle with for a while and, and for us to figure out how much does he know. 
Yeah, I agree. And, and that, uh, it's, they definitely are putting, putting you in a position where Boyd Crowder kind of super criminal, like Boyd Crowder kind of guy who's always a little bit ahead of the, of the curve here is just a little bit behind, even, even with what's going on with Catherine and Wynn, he's a little bit behind. So maybe his mind just isn't very clear right now. And he's caught up. And we saw that at the beginning of season five, he was so upset about what was happening with Ava that he, beat someone down mercilessly. He beat Bernard from Lost down mercilessly yes, and he yes. shouldn't have, you know, and he knew it was a mistake. And then he further compounded that mistake by not making sure he was dead and leaving a witness. So Boyd Crowder's been a little bit clouded the, the further he's gotten to this sloppy, criminal enterprise. Sloppy, yeah. A little sloppy, a little sloppy Boyd Crowder. And he's, he's the classic criminal, like one big score, like, and that's what he's focusing on rather than I better check. I better make sure my house is in order. Like all these other things are going around. No, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. And, and, and because I'm doing that, I'm actually losing sight of a few things that are going on around me. Well, he tried to be the businessman. He tried to do the businessman thing. He wasn't very good at it. Yeah. And, and people don't let him be different. People expect him to be a criminal and they put him in that box. So that's what he chooses to be. Yeah. He choo choo chooses it. All right. Okay. Let's go to Calhoun's office. And this is where we see Buddy Garrity for the first time. And when he popped up on my screen, uh, this is the second time Buddy Garrity has just popped up on screen completely unannounced on a show that you and I are recapping. He's our, he's our you. I don't know. He's, he's our you. Wow. No, he, uh, he's just somebody Lost that reference. he's somebody that just follows us around. I love it. Yeah, it was great. He popped up on the leftovers. Now here, here he is on, on justified. Uh, I don't know. Where will he, where will he appear next? Uh, well, maybe he'll take the court for the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team. Okay, you're talking about sports, so I don't know what that means. Yeah, and that's really only relevant to me, not you. So I don't know why that was my next, uh, that was my, maybe he'll show up in Better Call Saul. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, Better Call Buddy. Better Call Buddy. Do you think that he was playing some sort of senator uh, in this? Is is Calhoun Schreier some kind of local elected official? Is there a connection between this? Are we going to see Holy Wayne on Justified? No, no, shut up. (laughs) Shut up with that. None of that. None of that. All right, all right. The five of you who watch The Leftovers know what I'm talking about. Yes. So here we go. We got Buddy Garrity. He's playing Calhoun Trotter, who is the best realtor this side of the Mason Dixon. Uh, A shame that, that Gary Hawkins is dead because. Because I feel like Calhoun and Gary Hawkins in a scene together would be magical. Yeah, they could be talking about curb appeal and square footage and they could make things smell like cookies. Yeah, all sorts of realtor nonsense. Yes, yes. And we find out that Calhoun and Ty Walker, Ty Walker, this is where we find out Garrett Dillahunt's character's name. They are in league in some capacity. And of course, Raylan knows who this guy is already because Ty had showed up at the Givens household in the last episode. And now Tim is in the equation as well. And so Tim uh, is is obviously he's he's not somebody that Calhoun likes very much. He's not somebody that Ty likes. I think Ty says, Tim, that Tim guy, he's kind of a dick. You're kind of a dick, huh, guy? Yeah, That's you're, kind of, you're kind of a dick, which is a fair, fair thing to say about uh, Tim Gutterson. I think. Yeah, we get another Tim Gutterson erection reference. Tim says, oh, well, listen, all this real estate talk's giving me a boner. I know. Oh, my God. He always talks about that. Well, we we have Marshall Stiffies and Realtor Boners at this yeah. point. So yeah. uh, if you're brave enough, maybe that's the hashtag for this episode. But No, well, let's just keep going. We're not, we're not putting that pressure <laughs> on anybody. Uh, no. So, yeah, so Raylan, Raylan is... Uh, what's he what's he doing here he's just trying to figure out if calhoun has any kind of idea about the safe deposit box that was robbed at the first river bank and 
Yeah, uh, he's chasing a lead. You know, he wants to find out why that why that robbery happened. And Calhoun was a guy who had boxes there. So so Raylan's asking him like, hey, what was in those boxes? And and Calhoun is very uncomfortable with this line of questioning. And we'll find out a little bit later exactly why he's so uncomfortable with this line of questioning in this particular moment. But he uh, yeah, he's he's not happy about it. It's just oh, just some stuff. I I'd gotten it out the day before anyway. You know, right. No, no, you didn't. No, you did not. Uh, so, yeah, he's definitely like, he's very uncomfortable. This guy, uh, Calhoun, he's in he's in a pickle. He's going to be very red faced, which is the uh, I feel like that's the shade that we like to see on uh, Bradley. Lund. very red faced. Yes. Bradley Lund is always good. Yeah, he's probably just running a car dealership and uh, and nailing one of the people that works there. That's all that's probably going on. Do you think that he'll show up on the strain? Oh man, that would be it just kind of I'd love to see him like living in like some sort of underground place, just like hiding from the Strigoi, like just kind of a mole person. That would be fantastic. The Dylan Strigoi, it's the best team in, in football. <laughs> I want to know if he has a daughter, if Calhoun has a daughter in Harlan County, because I'll drive down there right now. Are you a fan of uh, who? Who? What's her name on Ly- Lila Garrity? Lila. Are you a Lila Garrity fan? Oh, yeah. You're, team Lila. You're the one. Yeah, that, well, not as an actress, no. no. Sorry, sorry, Minka Kelly. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so Raylan and Tim, they leave, and now, now, I mean, we already knew that, that Ty Walker was going to be bad news, but he makes a comment here where now you know what, which side of the law this guy is truly yeah. on, uh, where he's like, you know, we'll, we'll follow the marshals, we'll, we'll figure out, you know, we'll follow marshals to a suspect of the bank robbery, we'll pull that guy's teeth out, and then we'll probably kill him. And then he's like, I'm just kidding. We will definitely kill him. <laughs> it's outstanding. Yeah. I love this scene. Which remind, my- that reminds me of what you said to me that one time when we were upstate and we were, um, you know. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, we don't talk about that. We don't talk. We- That's right. Sorry. Especially not when we're recording. My mistake. My mistake. It's okay to talk about it before, but after, like during, that's not. Anyway, no, I, I love Dillahunt in this scene. I, I put in my notes that he was fantastic. Uh, I love the little character notes, like he's blowing his nose at one point. I don't know what the hell's going on there. I guess suggesting that he is an outsider to this area and he's he's got allergies or something's playing with him. You know, yeah. the air quality, not so good in it's, eastern Kentucky. I'm going to throw that out it's there. It's the smell. Yeah, it's it's the spoil. It's the smell. It's the spoil. Yeah, he's, yeah, some, he's something. Something. He's an outsider and he's not yeah. adjusting well. I love that note. I love. I did love that gleeful. No, we're definitely going to kill him. No, we're going to kill him. We'll kill yeah. Him. <laughs> so they're going to ta- they're going to tail the guy. They're going to tail Raylan and Tim until they find Raylan until Raylan and Tim find the bank robber, and then they're going to kill him. Right. Except the problem is that they probably send the wrong guy to chase after Raylan and Tim because this is where we first meet Choo Choo, uh, Choo Choo, who is. Is already there's a Simpsons reference right in his name, but the fact that he is an oversized man in a tiny car was just yes. another great Simpsons reference. I thought it was the most uh, economic. It was the largest vehicle he could afford. <laughs> That's really good. You find something funny about the way he looks in that car, Josh? <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, it was very good. <laughs> Let's laugh at him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, so Choo Choo is is coming after them and Tim and Raylan because they are not dummies like Choo Choo. They figure out pretty fast that they are being followed. And Tim has a few suggestions. We could flapjack and we could short bus him. Uh, what else could they do? Give him a little special attention. A little special attention. Mostly I'm making this shit up. 
<laughs> Tim, get just so much good Tim. That's just bodes well for him. It bodes great for Tim. It bodes real well for Tim. I like, yeah. So Tim and Raylan make the tale here, right? And then they just, Raylan is so badass in the way he confronts him. Yeah, just Classic you stop that Raylan is so badass because he truly is. Yeah, he just stands right in front of the car and the guy has to short stop and you just see Raylan's legs and it kind of pans up and it's like this cowboy standing in the middle of the road. Right. And what does Choo Choo say? He says, forgive my vulgarity, everybody, but I believe that he says, get out of the road, cock holster. <laughs> That's fairly inventive for, for Choo Choo, I feel like. It is, it is. Uh, those foul utterances that he's uh, tossing Raylan's way. Uh, and then th- we get the great, why are you following me? Uh, I'm not following you. Uh, that, that whole yeah. exchange. Who's on first? Who's, Who's on, on first? first? Yeah, that was really fun. I mean, this show, the, the dialogue on Justified has always been top notch, but I thought that this scene in particular uh, was, was really tremendous. Yeah, and I, you gotta you gotta love what that actor uh, and you, you said his name earlier. The uh, Duke Davis part. Roberts, I believe. Duke Davis Roberts, yeah. you gotta love what he's giving you because Raylan just plays against stupid so well. Like Raylan, he's he's dealt with the crows, all the crows, and the people that he's dealt with. He comes up against these criminals all the time that are just rock dumb, and he plays against it so well. But I don't think he was really even prepared for the level of stupid he was dealing with here. Well, no, I think that he's actually dealing with someone with brain damage, right? Uh, for for my money i think the first time uh yeah i could be wrong on that but i i don't think that he has dealt with somebody who's been brain damaged before uh and so this guy maybe before the war was a very smart individual probably not uh but certainly whatever happened to him overseas did something to his brain and now we've got the choo-choo that we know and love today yeah and, and it's 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 very funny. It's classic justified like, OK, this could turn violent in a half second, but it's also really funny in the moment. And Choo Choo, when he gives the reason for his name and he says something like when I when I come at you, it's hard and it's fast and it's you can't stop it or whatever. And and he says to Raylan, like, you want to try me? Like, it's like, oh, shit, this could get real real quick. And yeah, Raylan backs down. Not today, Choo Choo. Yeah, not today, Choo Choo. Not today, Choo Choo. Uh, and then he he takes Choo Choo's car. Yeah, because, you know. Even, even Raylan is like, are you, God damn, are you comfortable with this thing? <laughs> and Choo Choo's like, it's a little tight. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Yeah, that was great. Uh, and then Raylan, he, he drives away and he's calling someone and he's just tickled pink by his meeting with Choo Choo. He's like, he, I, I mean, we find out later that he's calling Tim, but he's like, there's somebody I need you to meet. <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody's got to meet this guy. Yeah, and I'm so glad we, we did. <laughs> All right. So let's talk, about, uh, let's talk about this next scene. Here we go. The <sighs> debut of Sam Elliott on Justified. Smoking pot, as you mentioned before. Uh, not only that, smoking pot, presumably like five seconds after having sweet, sweet sex with Catherine Hale. Yeah, the uh, post like the the post coital weed. Yeah, there's a, a post coital scene with like sixty year old plus people, but somehow still kind of sexy. Does that yeah, make me weird? No doubt. No, not at Both all. Of these people are really sexy individuals. Yeah, and Sam Elliott is like ripped. I mean, he could kick my ass and make me cry for disappointing him at the same time. He looks real good. Yeah, kind of kind of looks great. Yeah, this is uh, and and they, you know, they they did they did them a lot of favors. They they put they put uh, they put Mary Steenburgen in a nice like chemise or whatever you call that, uh, and they put him in kind of this white like tank top, and he's just sitting in bed like a king, like it's all very and it's a really nice room, and they're talking about how good the weed is. They just look like two like captains of industry, like it really. 
they they seem not only like beautiful people, but they seem on top of the world. And the the conversation that they have is very interesting because they have they have this great backstory uh, where he's left Kentucky and, and came back and he was he was involved in business with her husband. And and he, you know, all these things slide out kind of character moments. He talks about how she she's obviously talking to him about how to deal with Boyd. Like she doesn't know the guard specifically. Yeah, exactly. The gardener, big landscaping project. Yeah, exactly. Somebody that she doesn't trust. That's an employee. And he immediately is like, well, you know how I help get my employees happy is I'd give them bonuses, Christmas bonus, Easter bonus. And, oh, you know, Pappy Van Winkle, you know, he so he's like, again, we have bourbon as a character note where this guy's throwing out really, really expensive bottles of bourbon just as gifts to his people to keep them loyal. But then he turns dark pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. It gets pretty dark where he's like, well, she's like, what would you do? He's like, would you cut off a finger? He's like. Uh, not really. I don't, you know, if cutting fingers off like your husband, you know, used to do, he would still be alive today. She's like, what, an eye? He's like, you know, it's a start. Uh, you know, but one eye, you can still see, you can still get a driver's license, which by the way, I didn't know that. I figured you probably couldn't. Uh, yeah, you thought that's why pirates had ships? Yeah, because they can't get in cars. <laughs> I Absolutely. That's exactly that what I sounds mean. like a joke you'd find in a popsicle stick. Uh, yeah, well, you're you're my popsicle stick. Because they can't see. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, shut it down. Shut All right, I'm, down. Shutting, I'm shutting it down. Uh, no, but it, then it. he says both eyes, maybe both eyes. That would be a good start. And if oh that's a God. good start, and, yeah. he, and even he, he, you know, he qualifies it with maybe. Maybe. Both eyes, maybe. That's maybe you start with Oedipus, but no, like that's horrible. So where do you start? What's like a, if that's a good start, what's a great start? Yeah, the cutting the head off, I guess. I don't know. I, think I mean, does. once you take someone's eyes out, you take them out of commission and that's sort of the point. So I don't think they can, I, whether it's garden, landscape or Rob Banks, I don't think that if you take their eyes out, they can really work for you anymore. So what's, why not just kill them? Yeah, I think that's what he's saying. Yeah. Yep, that's the start. Yeah, that's uh, so. Where does it end? Yeah, it ends with taking him out. Like that's that's sort of the the stakes that Boyd Crowder's facing here. Like this guy, if he's the advisor, if he's the consigliere, if he's the guy who she's going to turn to for how to deal with Boyd, Boyd's in a little hotter water than I think he realizes. Yeah, so that's interesting. I mean, that it definitely you know it's it's an it's a cool scene because not a lot is happening. Physically, you know, certainly a lot happened physically before the scene begins. But right now they're just, you know, they're puffing the reefer right now. They're they're talking. She's talking about how she doesn't really like being a grandma, which I thought was a funny character note for Catherine Hale. Uh, You know, she doesn't she doesn't relate to the nanny from the Philippines. I thought that was good. But there's not you know, there's not a ton going on. But just the turn of this conversation and the fact that they these two seem to have a lot of history together and the turn of the conversation where Sam Elliott's character, uh, they say his name is Avery. When when Avery starts talking about what he would do, uh, how he would how he would torture people. Uh, that's, that's interesting stuff. And also his comment about how to keep people loyal, I think is pretty good. So you really, you really get the yin and the yang on one end, you know, he keeps people loyal by overpaying with bonuses, Easter bonuses, the Pappy Van Winkle bonus on the birthday. Uh, and he says, you know, there's plenty of profit to go around and it's a small price to pay for loyalty. So that's one end of the spectrum. And then you swing to the other side. And this is a guy who thinks that, you know, taking both of your eyes out as a, an act of justice is not enough. That's not a good start. Uh, or it's maybe a good start. So this is a complex guy. He's a complex guy, sweetheart. 
Yeah, like I said, I love the ground that they cover in this scene. And, and he just even in the context of that conversation uh, about how to handle your employees, they cover a ton of ground and they cover a ton of ground from uh, what kind of danger is Boyd in standpoint. And they cover a ton of ground from, a, hey, we just met this guy kind of standpoint like we learn a lot about Avery we learn a lot about the yin and the yang as you say so I think that it's it's a great scene it's a it's a sort of scene where you when you when you say at the top that the episode maybe is a little slower than the first one it's because this is just two people sitting in a bed talking but what they're talking about is is necessary to kind of set the stakes for a lot of what we're going to face and I, I get the impression that Avery is probably is probably going to play a, a, a much bigger role in this season than just giving Catherine Hale advice here and there. You don't bring in Sam Elliott and just have him sit in the bed and be smoke sort a, of an smoke a doobie. Yeah, smoke a joint and be an oracle. Like that's not. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I get the impression that that he may well somebody is Ty's boss. We don't know right. who it is, but that's mentioned throughout. So it very well could be Avery. But it makes me wonder exactly what game Catherine Hale is playing then. Right, because she is positioned against Garrett Dillahunt. You know, yeah, she's, she's positioned, positioned against to try to Calhoun, rob him. Yeah, who is in league with Garrett Dillahunt with Ty Walker. Uh, so if Avery was Ty Walker's boss, which I don't think is a big leap, I think that makes sense to me. You know, yeah, they're talking about there being a big boss, and we just introduced Sam Elliott. That's pretty. You know, it doesn't get much bigger than that, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, so Ar- I, Artie Forbes had tweeted at us and asked us who we thought Ty Walker's boss really is, and would it would it be somebody we've already met on the show? And I feel like the best candidate is is Sam Elliott, uh, not somebody from you know seasons past. Although it could be someone from Detroit or uh, someone like uh, someone like Limehouse or someone like that. I just don't see that. Bobby, Bobby Quarles. Bobby Quarles is a closed case according to uh, according to what we heard in earlier episodes. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I think Bobby Quarles is out. I think he's out. But I think he's out. But I, but I think Sam Elliott is a really good candidate for this. But it does make me then wonder, is Catherine Hale kind of double dealing him? Right. Uh, yeah. You know, She's trying to get information from him and trying to get close to him. Well, that would uh, be an to- interesting parallel with what's going on with Ava and Boyd. Yeah, that's a really good point. That that uh that would be a really interesting parallel. Uh and and actually it makes me wonder when you hear Sam Elliott talking about what to do with employees, are we going to say see that play out with Ty or or with someone from his crew uh and Sam Elliott in in the context of this season. Right. Uh all right, well let's let's keep going here. Uh we this, this scene was also a really good scene, I thought. Again, a slower episode but a really rich episode too. A lot, a lot to unpack. Uh, the, the scene at Calhoun's office where he gets the phone call from Boyd and has to do that classic thing of having the one-sided phone call where you just give ambiguous answers because you're in the room with the guy who you do not want to have hearing you say the things that you're uh, that, that the person on the other end of the call is asking you about. So it's a very intense scene with the great Brad Leland caught in the middle uh, as Calhoun is fielding this call from Boyd with Boyd, you know, basically blackmailing him and saying, I've got your papers. Uh, I want a whole lot of money for it. Uh, and, you know, Ty Walker basically being like, get off the phone, get off the phone. Who are you talking to? Uh, really good scene, I thought. Yeah, and I love that we saw Dillahunt rage in the Dilla smash in this scene. Like he he's throwing furniture around and really, really angry uh, about what happened with Choo Choo. You know, what the, he he got his car taken and all that. He's really fired up. So up until this point, he'd been kind of the smooth talker and the kind of guy that that seemed like he had a darkness in him, like a dark passenger. But we hadn't seen it. And no Dexter references. Sorry, I apologize. Sorry, he's, he's going to be a lumberjack. I'm It'll so, be fine. No, stop. 
he's smashing furniture around in this moment. And I, and I do love that because it's like, okay, now we know this guy's got rage, like right under the surface. So that was good. I also thought it was funny. Calhoun, like he, Ty Walker really wants to know at that point, what's the bank manager's name? Like, I'm going to brace this lady. And we're going to figure out what she knows. And I, Calhoun is scared, I think, but I felt like he was also almost giving it the Fletch treatment where he's like, John Cocteau's tin, 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 Judy, 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 well, Sandy Johnson. Like he just like Joyce, Joyce. Yeah. Joyce. It's just, it's funny. It's like, I don't, that was a pretty funny moment for, for Bradley Lynn. Yeah, that was good. All right, so we move from there to like a, a 10 second scene that I thought was really funny too was uh, Choo Choo trying to get a ride on the side of the road, and Tim pulls up in the car that Choo Choo was tailing. And, and Tim goes, Hey, boss, where are you headed? And yeah. we come to find out that Choo Choo accepts the ride. Oh, boy, that was quite a gambit that, that was bound to work out because it was Choo Choo, unfortunately. I just, I wonder, you know, how how do Raylan and Tim arrive at that idea? I bet Raylan's like, oh, this guy is I've I've, you know, contended with the crows. This is the dumbest person I have met in my entire time in Kentucky. You can just pull up to him in the same car he was tailing and he will get in. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Uh all right, so we get to a Raylan and Ava scene where she is telling him about all of the, you know, all of the notes that she found, all of the documents that she found. Um, and we get this interesting, well, first we get a, a little mention of, of Dewey that Raylan also kind of just like brushes aside. No one, listen, viewers and people in Harlan alike, no one expected Dewey Crow to die. No. Uh, so Raylan doesn't even have any, you know, any sort of itch to think that something could have happened to Dewey at this point. You know, not a lot of time has passed. Uh, so we, we have Ava, uh, give the, give the documents to Raylan and Raylan asks, were these easy to find? Uh, does he have any reason to suspect you? And he now he admits, I don't know if you're in danger right now and you should put these back. Uh, and so Ava's like, well, what do you want me to do? You, you asked me to bring you stuff. Uh, I bring you stuff and now you're telling me not to bring you this thing. What am I doing here? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a valid point, right? Very valid point. Very valid point. She's sticking her neck out by bringing this. And you know, this is like the exact reason why she doesn't want to be sticking her neck out for anything. Yeah, because uh, so, so because can, it may not work out. Uh, you know, yeah, there's a lot of reasons to not do that. Yeah, you could see exactly why, you know, if she were to swing this way, which we'll we'll get to at the end of the episode, if Ava decides, you know, screw this, you know, Raylan plan, I am going to go stick with Boyd. You would understand why, because, you know, it's hot and cold with with the feds. You know, it's get you're not giving us enough information. This information you're giving us is now too dangerous. You know, well, what the hell am I supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, exactly. And and I don't know. She, apparently, the, the answer is do everything Raylan tells you and nothing else. Don't freelance. Don't try to reach out. Like, don't branch out. Let me tell you what to do. And, and you just talk. You get information, not actual physical evidence. You let me take care of that. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. All right. Let's get to the bar scene uh, with with Choo Choo and Seabass. First sighting of Seabass. Scott Grimes, I believe, is the actor's name uh, from from a ton of stuff. He he worked with Graham Yost on Band of Brothers. So he's another one of the Band of Brothers alums who's popping up on the show. Of course, Neil McDonough, who played Quarles, was from Band of Brothers. Uh, AUSA Vasquez is from Band of Brothers. So a lot of good Band of Brothers veterans on this show. Um, and I, I thought this was a good scene as well, uh, just having Tim show up. And like immediately, he's Choo Choo's like, best friend. Yeah. And and I think that that's, uh, I think that that's, that's kind of sad. And there's definitely, uh, 
a, a George and Lenny kind of thing here again. We've seen previous George and Lenny's on this show. Uh, and here's another one. We've got Steve Bass, who's kind of like the George uh, and, uh, and, and Lenny is, is choo-choo. So there's that dynamic right away. But when, when Tim comes into that mix, it's like sad because it's like, oh, well, Seabear, but uh, Choo Choo is just so trusting and so so kind, even though he's he's menacing. It's it's just really sad. I don't know the whole thing. The whole when you find out that Choo Choo had some shrapnel in his head, and that's why he's kind of messed up. He's not, and he didn't he didn't kill his brain with drugs, or or he's not inbred or anything like that. That he's actually a veteran with a with a legitimate uh, war injury, and he's disabled in that respect. Um, it's just a different. It brings a little bit of a different shade to the character, and I think something that Tim. Specifically specifically can really associate with. Yeah. So that, that's a good opportunity for me to bring up my Tim theory. Uh, okay. Let's hear it. So we, we talk a lot about how, you know, a lot of, a lot of the great character deaths on justified are tied up in like something that's like very key to the character early on. One of the first things that you find out about a character, like with Max Bennett, uh, the, the poison is, is in the, is in the, in the glass, you know, uh, th- things like that or quarrels, you know, he has this gun up his sleeve and he's going to get that arm chopped off. Something that's integral to the character from, you know, pretty close, if not your first meeting with the character, is going to factor into the person's demise. So if we're talking about the possibility of Tim not making it through Justified, wouldn't it make sense for a wounded war veteran to be the one to kill him? Him him himself being uh, a guy who may or may not have PTSD from his own experience being a sniper overseas. Wouldn't it make sense for something like that? And we've seen that as a theme in Tim's character with the whole Col- Colton storyline from season four. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking at Choo Choo as a candidate. Yeah, I think that that's uh, I think that's really uh, a pretty good observation. It not only is is something that would fit within the context of this show because as you point out the the stuff with Colton and uh the way they've kind of talked about veteran reintegration and the way they show that play out uh it's also the sort of thing that happens uh, I don't want to spoil any kind of movies that are currently in theaters but they're you know this is their famous stories of of people who are, are are known soldiers coming back from overseas and and you know having to deal with other veterans uh, and people that are are really screwed up by war that have PTSD or that have had brain damage and uh, that ultimately feel like they maybe are still in combat or they feel like they need to kill uh, people and end up killing other veterans there was a shooting at, the, at an army base in Texas not too long ago this sort of thing does does happen. So not only would there be poetry in it, but it, it would kind of a little bit ring with the sort of thing that we know happens in the news from time to time. So I think there's a lot to that. Uh, and I think that if you buy into the fact that Tim's dying, um, it would make sense. I, I took a note earlier in this episode when Ty was really menacing Buddy Garrity, when he was really menacing Calhoun, trying to get the bank manager's name. Uh, I was just like, is Calhoun or Choo Choo going to make it past this episode? Because I think in classic Justified, one of those two dies, like in this episode. Like you get, there's a lot of great Justified episodes we've talked about where we get like this die, really. Like or gets busted. Dizer gets busted. Somebody goes down within the context of one episode. Like we only see them. They turn up as flavor uh, or as a spice and they're there for a moment they're, They've got some really rich kind of fun villainy type stuff that they do, whether it's talking about um, why they like being a hitman uh, or whether it's talking about a, a, something like an ice pick. Uh, they either die or get busted within the context of that one episode a lot of the time. So I totally expected Calhoun or Choo Choo to go down in this episode. And the fact that Choo Choo didn't and he's around out 
out there does make me think that it's entirely possible that that Tim could meet his his end at the hands of Choo Choo. But I almost wonder until I see Choo Choo kind of doing that willfully, if it would e- if it would even be on purpose. Like I kind of see that being an unfortunate, like tragic accident. We'll, yeah. we'll see what happens. So that's just something I'm thinking about right now. If if Tim's going to go, I see that as a possible way out. So it's yep. just, just a thing to keep an eye on. Let's plant a flag there. Oh, uh, yeah. Planting the flag. Uh, anything else from this scene that you want to talk about or can we? Move no, I mean, Tim, Tim was so smooth. He was a lot like Raylan, you know, he's just kind of talking his way through that scene. Getting a lot uh, of Tim this season. Yep. Getting a lot of Tim. You know, you know, that could they could be because, you know, the writers just want to give everybody the good stuff. It's the final season. Everybody needs to have something to do. Or it could be something else. Yep. Could be something else. All right. So let's go to Calhoun's office uh, where he is worried that this might be his last day on God's green earth. And his secretary uh, says, oh, no, do you have the cancer? (laughs) I thought that was pretty good. Uh, And then it gets a little it gets a little awkward when Raylan comes in as uh, the secretary is trying to uh, smooth things over with Calhoun, make him feel a little better about his last day on earth. Yeah, and and I think that that uh, <laughs> that's really nice. It's so nice. Yeah, it's is, it's something. Is, it's something. Do do you think that somebody has a long winded, peculiar way of speaking? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Uh, I think it's you, Antonio. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, it's you. Uh, no, it's Boyd. And Raylan comes in, and he he ha- he interrupts uh, Patricia. I believe her name was Patricia and Calhoun's private moment. Uh, and finds out from her, actually. She's the one who ends up being uh, the one who, who, who tips what's going on with Calhoun. She says, Calhoun, uh, this is what I wrote down. Tell me if, if, I'm, if I got this right. Calhoun, he's buying property for people that he's just now realizing are the bad guys. Uh, so he has been writing down everything about them that he can remember, account numbers to protect himself. It was basically he had a blackmail ledger. Uh, and now he is being blackmailed for the blackmail med- uh, ledger. And if the bad guys find out, then he's going to get killed. Yeah. And I mean, we so Boyd, kind of what Boyd is in possession of is a blackmail ledger. Yeah. We set this up earlier in the episode where Ty says, we're going to tail Raylan until we find the the bank robber. And then we're going to find out what he knows. We're going to pull his teeth out. Oh, no, we're just going to kill him. And so this is what happened, right? Boyd was hired to rob a bank by Catherine Hale. that was assumed there would be $3 million in there. There wasn't. Boyd's crew was very upset that they didn't get to split their share of $3 million. Boyd was very upset that he didn't get his share of $3 million. What he got instead was a stack of papers and a ledger. He knows whose ledger it was. So his move that to get the money is to call the person whose ledger it was and be like, hey, I have your ledger. I want you to pay me money to get it back. And that's how Boyd's going to get his money out of this deal. And and that's great for Boyd, except for the fact that that ledger happens to be a blackmail ledger on a group of really bad people who, knowing that Boyd has that, will want to kill Boyd uh, once they find out what it is. Uh, yeah. They don't. I don't think they even know that it exists because they would kill Calhoun if they knew he was tracking him that way. And that's of course what Calhoun is afraid of. So, right. well, that that adds another layer to that scene earlier when when Ty's saying, "Oh, we'll definitely kill him because Calhoun knows. Well, if you find the thing, you'll definitely kill me." Yes. Exactly. And and that's kind of why I think it isn't that he it isn't that he didn't want to work with the police that he didn't tell 
that he didn't he wouldn't tell Raylan and, and the lady had to tell Raylan it was that he was afraid. I think he was just afraid. Yeah. Like he he is afraid of what this represents because he doesn't know who has the ledger. What if Ty Walker walks into his office like I wanted to see if you were going to, you know, play ball here and now that I know that you were I'm going to kill you. Like he just doesn't even know what he doesn't know, but Raylan kind of puts that together in the scene. And that's when Raylan says, hey, is that person who's blackmailing you? So you have a long-winded, peculiar way of speaking. Right. Yeah, that was fun. I liked yeah. that. Yeah. I, I so, liked, you know, Raylan, it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot of creative thought for him to get to the conclusion that Boyd is usually somehow involved. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, Boyd robbed the bank, didn't get money, but got this ledger and doesn't really know what the ledger is, but knows that it's worth something to Calhoun and is and is trying to make him pay to get it back. Right. All right, so we're going we're gonna to get uh, two back-to-back awesome Boyd scenes. Uh, the first one is when Ava drives home uh, to, to put the documents back, presumably, uh, to put the blackmail ledger back, uh, and comes home to see Boyd sitting on the stairs, because Boyd is obviously, he's arranged for this meeting to give the blackmail ledger back in exchange for money uh, from Calhoun, or whatever it is that he's going to end up doing with Calhoun. Uh, and there's, it's not there because Ava's taken it. So now Boyd is coming at her and saying, we need to talk. Uh, like you, you, you took my shit basically. And, uh, she, you know, she, she could crumble in this moment. She could admit to everything in this moment, or she could do what she does and go the complete opposite direction and just go on the offensive. And she's awesome here. Uh, loved this about Ava where she's like, I heard about the bank robbery. I was looking around. I found this, this thing that you stashed. Uh, and you're stealing and you're hiding things on my property. You're risking me going back to prison. Uh, and she's like, take this and get the hell off my property. Uh, and it's just a really, really fantastic job uh, on, on uh, uh, Joel Carter's part and Walton Goggins. I thought, I thought that the scene between these two here was one of the better uh, Ava and Boyd scenes of the season so far. Only two episodes in, of course, but I thought this was a really intense moment. It's one of the best Ava scenes on the show, yeah, period. Yeah. I mean, she really knocked it out of the park. And I was trying to figure out in the moment how much of it was bravado and how much of it was, was true anger and how much was she barking to try to hide the fact that she didn't have any bite and, and to keep him away from what the truth was and how much was she truly angry about that. And I think that the, the answer was that it's a mix. Like she definitely was being as, as forceful as she could to kind of throw him off the scent of what the truth was. But on the other hand, she was absolutely tapping into very real emotion uh, about what was happening. And I think the next scene, which we'll get into about with Ava and Boyd, I think is, is also just as good, but for different reasons. And this one was just so good because I couldn't really, I think there was a ton of fear in what she was doing, but I also think there was a little bit of actual anger. And I think that the way that, uh, what's her name? Joelle Carter's that her name. Yeah. The way that she modulated those two within this scene was fantastic. Yeah, so that was awesome. Uh, and then right after that, you know, as if we aren't getting enough great stuff, we're getting our first Boyd and Raylan encounter of the season. What did you oh think of gosh. the Boyd and Raylan encounter? Fantastic, set, set right? Set up for us. So good, because... Because the Raylan is is kind of in in Calhoun's office and and he's sort of waiting on Boyd because he knows what the arrangement has been for the blackmailer to show up uh, and at the office and at this particular time and Boyd Boyd comes in and Raylan gives him the fancy seeing you here and Boyd says I never really understood that phrase Raylan like what is, you know, <laughs> what is that I mean that's a fair fair point like what's so fancy about this Yeah yeah exactly so they're kind of there and I think 
both probably know that the other knows uh, what they're doing there. I think that Boyd is is too is too smart not to realize that Raylan's on to exactly why he's there, and Raylan's too smart to realize that to think that Boyd doesn't know that. But they they play around the edges of that. Boyd claims I just found these documents on the side of the road, and I figured I'd do the the right thing. I'm just following my gut, and I want to return them. And then Boyd Boyd has kind of a great line where where he says like I've learned to think without arguing with myself. Uh huh. I mean that's that's so good. Like, but on the other hand, I think that's so dangerous for Boyd. Yeah, that's very dangerous, and I think that that's an argument in favor of him not suspecting Ava of too much. I think that's right. I think that's like, well, I could sit here and run the pros and cons in my head and argue with myself one way or the other, or I could just follow my gut, and I could just go with what I believe. And the problem with Ava is what he believes is that she's still his fiance, that she's still somebody who he has this positive relationship with and that she's not somebody who's out to get him. And that's, that's a problem. If you're not arguing with yourself over that and you're not talking yourself into or out of different scenarios involving her, then you're not running all the things you need to run to see exactly what's right in front of your face. Right. Yeah. There's a key piece of strategy missing in this guy's head. I think, you know, he's not, he's not thinking things through right now all the way that he has to. I mean, it's, it's shown in, in, you know, his recent string of failures, uh, that he just has had a problem with follow through. Uh, and now, you know, he's just, he, I, I feel like he's doubling down on that. Yeah. And, and he's not, he's not really seeing the the bigger picture for whatever reason. And I don't know. I think if you wanted to really kind of analyze why that is, it's probably that he's so caught up in trying to be successful and get out of the game or, or be bigger than what he was that he's not, he's not seeing all the elements of it in the past. He always seemed like he was a couple of steps ahead. Um, he tended to usually know what was happening. I mean, even back as, as far as season one, he had kind of that, that crazy hole under a fire where, you know, when anybody showed up, they could throw all the guns in and a person could hide in it. Like that's the sort of proactive planning that Boyd Crowder, was known for uh and he was he was he was taking actions down the line that that were that were setting things up and now he's working for someone and he's just robbing a bank for somebody he's a pawn in their game and he's not seeing the bigger picture or understanding exactly why and we'll talk about the next scene between he and ava coming up here that gives him a different perspective finally but in this moment we see his inner monologue made into words when he tells Raylan, i've learned to think without arguing with myself that is a positive in a lot of respects but for boyd crowder a man who puts himself in the in the direct lines of criminal enterprises you you probably need to argue with yourself like you probably need to think through all the steps. Yeah. I mean, this is the guy who who uh, puts himself in the line of fire for his, you know, line of work. Yep. You got to think. You got to think all the way through and you got to question what you're thinking too. Yeah, I mean, think back to when he was hired to to work on that mine job uh with those those kind of guys in in uh I guess that was season two, um, when he was working at the mine and they wanted him to blow it up and they wanted this caper with Boyd and they were going to kill people. Boyd absolutely knew what was going to go down with that. And he was two or three steps ahead of him the whole time. Yeah. And he was not, he was not just blindly following what they were doing. He was thinking it all through. And as a result, he got the drop on them. He got to walk away a hero from that. He saved a life. He gained an ally in, in, 
and Shelby and in Jim Beaver. And all of that played out perfectly for Boyd. And that was because he thought it through and was ahead of the game in that one. But in this instance, he's not like he's not thinking things through and he's kind of bragging about that. So that's really difficult. That's not the Boyd Crowder that has been so ahead of things and been on top of things in the past. That's more the Boyd Crowder we've seen the last couple of seasons, like you said. Yeah, totally. Um, And then the other interesting thing about this scene, I think, is, you know, his comments about Raylan being a dad. You know, Raylan Givens is a father. What's the world coming to? And he asks that question of. Uh, does having a child change you? They say it changes a man. Is it true? And Raylan's saying, I guess we'll see. What do you what do you make, Antonio, of the fact that Raylan as a dad is on Boyd's radar? Is that bad bad for business? I see, I don't think so. Like I, I just uh I don't I just don't think that's a that's a Boyd Crowder move. I think it's more I think that that it's that is more kind of like showing Again, what the stakes are and where where Raylan's eyes are. Raylan is focused on trying to get out of this and and go be a dad and be done with all this. And that hasn't been the Raylan that we've known. But this is this is the kind of Raylan reality because that comment gets introduced by Raylan basically saying, like, I'm getting transferred. You know, I'm getting out of this like I'm leaving. And that's when they start talking about it. So I think that that is more to to kind of show that, okay, this is where Raylan is focused like Raylan really really is focused on this fatherhood and those are the stakes for him. I mean, we have to remember that the season started with Natalie Zia and with, uh, with Winona kind of in, in the baby in the crib kind of saying like, Oh, daddy will be here, you know, soon. Like this is, this is what, what Raylan's reality is. And I don't know if the season started that way because they're going to be put in jeopardy. Um, but I, I think it's possible. I just don't see the show going to that. Well, yeah, I hope not. I mean, they've already done it. Yeah, they've already done it. That's that's the point. Like yeah. they've already done that. So I, I don't see that that happening in season six. I see this more of shades of I, I think this I think this scene was about two guys who were having a conversation that was about one thing, but that was really about a lot of other things. And that they in and, and really the whole point of the conversation was kind of showing where their heads were at. Boyd's head not really being in the game and Raylan's head being in the game, but also focused on something entirely different that had different stakes for him than just these little moment to moment interactions with Boyd. It's funny. You say two guys and instantly my mind goes to two guys, a girl in a pizza place, which actually ends up being appropriate for this episode. Yes. You've got Raylan and Boyd, uh, who, who both have needs from Ava. And it turns out that everything seems to be leading to a pizza place. Yeah, which is crazy. Which uh, is great for me because I love pizza. So I love Justified and I love pizza. Now that these two things are officially married, I'm happy. Come to Kentucky. I I think, Josh, we can visit the, this actual pizza portal. I think this is a place. I believe it is. Uh, I, I was reading an interview with Graham Yost where he's saying uh, that this is something that the writers came up with uh, during a visit to Harlan, that there is uh, a pizza place called The Portal in Harlan that has a vault in it because <laughs> I believe it used to be a bank. Oh, well, uh, so we need to. Yeah, we're going to we're going to get into that here in a second. Yeah. All right. Well, before before that, let's find out. uh, We get another scene with Ty Walker, who is uh, he's he's come to Joyce, the the bank teller, uh, and is doing some intimidation tactics and basically gets the news out of her uh, that there have been questions about a guy named Boyd Crowder. Uh, So that's that's something that is now on Ty's radar. Uh, Boyd Crowder officially on Tiger Hawk security's radar. That cannot be good. Or it could be. It could, it could be an unlikely alliance. You never know. 
Yeah, I don't think it's going to be good. <laughs> it, well, it's not going to be good for anybody except us. Like this, this right. it will be great for us. Uh, but you know, even if it seems like it's good for some of the characters on the show, it'll end up being terrible. Terrible news. Yeah, I, I think that it's. I think it's bad for bad for Boyd. Uh, I think this is what what Ty what Ty Walker was trying to find out the whole time. Like yeah. this is what he was after. Is who who was this bank robber? Like, and and what did he rob? Like, let, let's figure this out. So. Um, so I mean, it's not like Ty Walker is going to track down Boyd Crowder and pull his teeth out and torture and kill him in, you know, the third episode of season six of justified, not a chance, not happening that early. Yeah. Is there, is it a zero chance though? Could they kill Boyd this early on in the final season of justified? I, I really don't think so. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think so either. That would be terrible, actually. I <laughs> well, why don't you talk through what that looks like? Well, it looks bad. It looks bad. You have uh, I feel like Boyd has become so essential to the show. I think you have to have Boyd all the way through the final episode or at least like, you know, you could knock him off maybe with two episodes to go. But that's probably it. I, don't, I tend to I tend to agree. And I don't, the, the I don't other think thing you is, can do more. And I and I love it when when writers shock you by taking beloved characters off the table. Like I really love what they did with Dewey. That was such a nice surprise. Well, not a nice surprise, but it was, it was a big surprise and it was executed really well. Uh, I don't think you can do that with a character so central as Boyd at this point anyway. Yeah. And and it's got to be it's got to be with Raylan. There's got to be. I mean, I unless somebody takes Boyd out and that makes Raylan's sense of justice just you know, give him a Marshall stiffy and that's the rest of the season. I, I just, but I don't see that. I, I see Boyd and Raylan being the confrontation. I don't see it being Boyd as a confrontation with Ty. Ty wins. No, Boyd's no, no. Gone. And, I, and I, yeah. th- I think even, even more than that is uh, I feel like we've seen Boyd get out of so many sticky situations already. Uh, you know, it's, it's cue, been, cue the sound cue. I know it's been, it's been so, you know, he's, he's been in, you know, his back against the wall so many times that, I just don't feel like this is the one where he will he will you know be knocked out at least I agree. at least not yet. Now uh, I know though that it's honey that's in Boyd Crowder's hair. <laughs> that's how he gets it uh, so so straight back. It's really yeah. it's a, that's the trick. Yeah, that's the trick. no. I I agree. And and but the thing about the thing that I really liked about that scene with the bank teller the bank manager is that Walker was playing that that sort of Bobby Quarles like I'm nice. I'm a really nice guy. You know, with just such darkness that there was. There was no moment in that scene where she wasn't terrified of him, even when he was like, I'm basically going to stay at your house all night. I'm coming in and cooking you an omelet. I can teach you everything that you need to know. And she was so scared of him. She she talked. But this is the woman who previously had been unwilling to talk. So, you know, this is Ty Walker got it out of her pretty quickly. He's uh, he's not one to be trifled with, I think. Yeah, I think the other thing that's cool about that is, you know, with a Quarles, at least, you know, we saw in the very first episode that Quarles is in, we see him shoot a character in the head and then we see him shoot somebody else. So we see him kill people. We see him be lethal in our first time meeting uh, Bobby Quarles. Where Ty, you know, he has said will definitely kill somebody, but we haven't seen him exact that level of menace yet. Uh, and for me, anytime he's in a scene so far, I feel like it's a possibility. It's on the table. Like when he, when he meets with the, with the people who call him a peacock uh, and he's walking toward the car, I feel like the scene is not going to end there. I feel like he's going to reach into the car and get a gun and come back and shoot him. Or uh, this this scene with the bank manager and he, you know, he gives her back the groceries. Uh, you would think like he, he pulls out a gun and the next thing he does is shoot her. Because that's something that you see on Justified a lot is that kind of thing. And Ty seems like a dangerous guy, but has yet to be lethal. 
So that's kind of an interesting thing to play with in every scene with Ty is like, when is he going to pull the trigger? And until he does, it's always going to be a question of like, well, it could be now. It could be now. It could be now. So, so I had a, I had I a question. Uh, yeah, I had a question for you about that because Artie Forbes had asked us that on Twitter as well. Um, what what was going on? Did, did Was he in fact lethal? Like he and Seabass walk up to what was that elderly couple's house who wouldn't sell to him and who called him a peacock and they were carrying plastic sheets. Right. And we don't know what the what the follow through is on that. We don't. I mean, it, it, that's the kind of kill. It's like they created a kill room and tortured them or murdered them, but they could have reupholstered a bunch of furniture. We have no idea what they right. did. We have no idea. But uh, he's muttering peacock as he walks into the house. So he's clearly carrying his anger into that house. And it's at night. So I don't think it's good. Right. It's probably not good. But I mean, right after that, we see him go to the to the to the pizza portal. Right. Like the yeah. very next scene is him at the pizza portal. So, yeah. So let's not jump. We won't jump too far ahead. But I, I only wanted to mention that because you said we hadn't necessarily seen him being lethal. And while that's true. I think that was, I think that was at least suggested. Yeah, that that was that that was happening. That, but I like that. I agree with you. I like that. I mean, it was great with Quarles because he killed Emin Arnett, and Emin Arnett had been this sort of like this sort of guru type figure who was like the the bad bad guy, like the guy who was above Win Duffy, like the guy who was clearly Dixie Mafia and who was a very, very bad guy. So bad that he wasn't even engaged in things like real estate because that was like too businessy for him. He was much more of a criminal than that. Uh, and when Quarles comes in and just kills him straight up like that is like, wow. Okay. So this Quarles is a real bad dude. Right. So I like that that happened in the first episode we saw with Quarles, but I also like that when we're finally getting a lot of tie here in this episode, we're not seeing that you're right. And I like that. I like that we see him with the rage in the office breaking furniture so we know he, he's got that darkness in him. But I, I actually like the scene with the bank manager because he's getting it through menace that is kind of like not – it's under the surface menace. It, on the surface, he's just carrying groceries and he's just uh, he's just kind of carrying bags around and being a good guy. But it under makes, the surface, there's – be an omelet like Kimmy. Yeah. He's like Kimmy. Yeah. He's like Kimmy. I was actually thinking about um, Out of Sight, which is another Elmore Leonard – uh, that was a movie. Uh, the role that Ving Rhames plays in that—he's kind of a—he's kind of a, a crook, and he's sort of a bad guy. But he's a—he's a good bad guy, and he—he he helps a lady carry her groceries. And that's in that in the beginning of that movie. And he seems like he's just doing it for good. But she says, you know, I didn't ask you to do that. I'm not going to tip you now. And he says, okay, that's fine. I'll just take your car. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so great, like Elmore Leonard moment. And here we have another a groceries moment. Yeah, he's just carrying the groceries, but right. he clearly has a another purpose yeah and and there's just there's a little bit of menace in him just showing up to carry the groceries enough that that bank teller who wouldn't talk before is terrified so you're right i do like that we're not seeing him pull a gun on anybody or draw down or get violent like that but he's he's accomplishing his purpose through other means and i like that right and i also don't think that we're i, I you know if i had to put money on it right now this guy's gonna draw on somebody at some point, oh yeah you know, Ray, I mean, it's gonna be Raylan. i would imagine like you know, that something like that is gonna happen but i just like in this episode i thought i thought that was an interesting thing they were playing with like in every scene it seemed like at any moment it could have just taken that turn and it didn't and i liked that i thought that was good um and i also just i'm really enjoying looking at garrett dillahunt like he's will forte's brother it just makes me laugh very hard every time um, <laughs> so let's let's talk about this great you know this other great boyd and ava scene uh and even before we get there so there's one of Boyd's new uh, employees. I don't think that we've seen this guy before, except for maybe in this last episode in the premiere. Um, at least I can't think of his name. 
Um, but he has found Dewey Crow's gator teeth. Uh, that, you know, the gator teeth necklace, and he has put it on a squirrel head. He has hung it up. Uh, so the gator teeth necklace is hanging around. And Artie Forbes asked us on Twitter, what does Chekhov think about Dewey's gator tooth necklace? Well, Antonio, channel your inner Chekhov. Is this important? When you introduce a gator tooth necklace in season six act one yeah. and then yeah by season six act three it's gonna pop back up in some way shape or form i think the best thing that we can we can say about this is we had these little subtle mentions of dewey in this episode we had two and raylan you're right doesn't know yet that dewey crow is dead uh, and if there's one person you wouldn't expect raylan givens to avenge it's dewey crow on the other hand i think if we see if, if raylan has any puts any eyes on that necklace he's going to know so it's yeah, only a matter. Yeah, I think yeah. it's only a matter of time before that happens. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really good. Uh, just just having that out there, and just I I think that's cool because you know Dewey had that moment in the premiere where he's like, it's a sign, it's a sign. Yep. Maybe he did have you know some sort of premonition, or uh, if if not quite that, then at least he's he's right in that you know discovering his 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 prized possessions is going to lead to. Uh, to some sort of discovery later down the road that that the days of Dewey Crow are not quite over. Yeah, and I think it's more likely that it's that than it's going to be Boyd sees the necklace and gets sentimental. You know, we don't like we have no reason to to see in this episode yeah, that Boyd no is in any way torn up over what happened with Dewey. So I don't I don't think that's the role it's going to play. I think it's going to be more the kind of checkoff type role with with Raylan finding it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So I thought that was that was interesting. Another thing to keep everybody's eyes on, uh, I think. Um, and then we get the the moment with Ava and Boyd and Bo- like Ava's trying to open up to Boyd again, because I guess is she trying to reestablish cover? Is she being sincere? I think that that gets called into question a little bit because she does end up telling him, like, did you pay attention to the fact that Pizza Portal was a thing and how this is sticking out from everything else? And it used to be a bank. Uh, and Boyd is like so happy about that. So wh- why is she giving him this information? I, it, I, I mean, this, the way I read this scene is she, when she comes into the bar, she takes her jacket off. She tries to look sexier. Like she tries to look better. And, and she, I think that there's one of two things happening here. Either she's trying to build his trust so that he won't kill her, which is, which is, which is probably true. Or she's trying to build his trust so that he won't kill her and so that she can get information to give Raylan. And I think that's probably the most likely scenario. She gives him that information because she says, basically, I I need to be in. You need to let me in on everything. Like, I am your fiance. Treat me like that. Don't keep me in the dark. Don't do things that I don't know about. Either we're in this together or we're not. And if we're not in it together, we're not in it at all. Right. So, I, I mean, I do think her goal is to build trust with Boyd and, and to to kind of give him that information and to, and to build that trust because I don't think she necessarily recognizes the significance of it. Uh, but maybe she does. Uh, maybe she does because the significance of it, of course, and we're going to find out in the next scene is that pizza portal used to be a bank. So there's a big vault there. Right. Uh, and, and the, the, the key point of the vault of course, is that the $3 million that people believe exists was not in the safe deposit boxes. So where is it? Well, it's probably in the vault that's in Pizza Portal. Yeah. 
Yeah. So how that where that why that three million dollars pizza portal? Check out pizza portal. <laughs> I, I'll eat there. I will eat there right now. Yeah. Or like, what are the toppings on the pizzas there? Uh, guns. And, just guns and, and, and drawers <laughs> and ink and like uh and yeah. playbills yeah, I, yeah. Exactly. no no thanks i guess i don't want to eat there anymore that's, so that's the only way you could ruin pizza is top it with guns unless they're made out of sausage but yeah it's uh it's one of those things where i don't know if ava knew exactly what the significance of the fact that that it was pizza portal but i kind of think that she did because i don't know why else she would have told boyd that yeah yeah so uh, I guess just my question is how much is that she's trying to keep the case going forward or how much is it that like she's, you know, Raylan really put her in a pickle in this episode. And is she, is she going to cease playing ball with Raylan? Like, is she going to try and make this big score with Boyd and go to Iceland or wherever? Uh, So I, I don't know. I think the show is doing a really clever job of, of keeping this stuff to the, to the vest. Like I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Ava is is conning Boyd in this moment or if she's sincere. Uh, you don't know if Boyd is on to Ava or if he is not. So there's there's a lot of questions about where these what, what these characters who we've known for a long time. What are they really thinking? And the fact that that this this show can do that to us and we're in the final season, six seasons in is pretty remarkable to me. Yeah. And it's a true testament to the writing and definitely the acting. Like I said, in the earlier scene where Joel Carter is is kind of screaming at Boyd and angry, um, a lot of that is 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 fear and, and it's a bark. But a lot of it is is probably dipping into natural anger. Yeah. And and I, I really like that the way she's playing it, you can't 100 percent tell where that modulation is. Uh, and in this scene, too, you can't really tell. I mean, it's clear she's trying to manipulate Boyd. But is she trying to manipulate Boyd just so that he won't kill her and so that she'll so that she can get back in his trust and maybe build something with him? Uh, And maybe she doesn't like being on the outside or is she trying to manipulate him so that she can get into a position to help Raylan? You don't know. And and I think that that's that's great. There's another great show on FX, The Americans. I don't know if you watch that, but there's a female character on that show uh, who gives a very similar performance where she's sort of caught between two worlds. And you're not 100 percent sure what her agenda is the entire time. Uh, And it's a a really fantastic performance there as well. Uh, And FX is just killing it, man. I mean, I better. Call Saul's coming out on AMC relatively soon here, and it gives them an opportunity to really step their game up. But even with Mad Men and Walking Dead, I got to think that FX with with Justified and the Americans is is right there at the top of cable networks in terms of drama. And they're, they, this show is in its final season, just showing why that that they can truly stake that claim. It's really really well done. Oh yeah, FX is is a contender. Has been a contender for a while, and hopefully people are are uh, picking up notice at this point. Uh, what, what do you think of the Boyd and Ava kiss? I, I mean, I, it was... A, I'm kind it, of surprised that didn't just lead to hard making out and like just like this big sex scene. Heavy, I I when I was like 13, I think that I was taught that was called heavy petting. Heavy I think petting, they yeah. taught I, us that in school. I thought some heavy petting would be going on. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That, uh, yeah, that, I, thought that, I thought we might see some too, but on the other hand, we got to start somewhere, man. Yeah, you know, the spontaneous kiss and, you know, it didn't seem to ruin the mood too much. No, no. He's, and he's, he goes off to get the bottle of the good bourbon. So that's pretty good. 
Yeah, he was uh, he was uh, it was great because he was so sad. Like I when when that scene first started, I wrote like he's drinking alone in his office. There's no one in the bar. It's shut down. There's music playing and he's just sitting on a couch in his office drinking by himself like he is sad. And and by the end of that scene, it was a 180 in mood. Right. Like because because he now because he hadn't been thinking it through like he hadn't seen all these things. He had looked at those deeds when he found them and probably after and not put together the pizza portal thing because he's not thinking things through. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that Ava's the one that puts that on his plate. Right. Yeah. Puts that pizza portal on his plate. There you go. Yeah. Uh, The final scene of the episode is at pizza portal. Yep. Uh, it's Raylan Raylan showing up. Uh, he, he returns the keys to Choo Choo. Uh, he has, has his chat with Ty Walker. Uh, I feel like we, we covered the big punchline of, of this scene already, which is just the realization of, you know, Raylan saying to Tim, uh, you know, I haven't been in this building since I was a kid used to be a bank, Yep. which I think is good. Just like everyone's starting to catch the scent. And Raylan says he wants to talk to Ty's boss. So hopefully we're going to get that meeting and, and maybe we'll find out if it's Avery, maybe not. Um, I did like that in the beginning of the scene, Ty is basically saying like, this whole thing is turning out to be a lot more work than I thought. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what every person from out of state who's come into this show has ever said. Every carpetbagger like, is that what every carpetbagger, every Bobby Quarles or picker or whoever it is that is kind of come in from out of state is like, well, shit, I got down here on the ground and I didn't realize I was in Vietnam. Like, right. I didn't realize that people here were were really tough to their land and really knew what they were doing and uh, were really going to put me in a pickle. Yeah. So I, I love that. I love that it was so in keeping with what everyone else has experienced. Harwin's a local game. Yep. You're, yeah. you're going to have a hard time if you're an outsider. Yeah. And I, and I, I like that Ty is very frustrated about that. Cause it's like, yep. Said everyone who's ever appeared on this show, yes. Ty, like join the club. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I don't know. Is there, is there anything else from the episode we need to cover? No, I mean, I, 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 I don't think so. Like it, is it, what, what, I mean, where did, uh, so the documents right now are in Raylan's are in Raylan's possession, right? Right. As, as far as I can track. Are all those documents there or did Boyd hold some of them back? Ed Krimmer had asked us that on Twitter and I couldn't tell if, if Ava had, had looked at the documents and told him one of them was from pizza portal. Uh, and or if you know, she, or if she had kept one or if there, or if some had been kept out. Yeah. I don't know how, how she would have had the chance to hold one back, you know, cause she shows back up to her house, presumably to stash the documents again uh, and then gets caught by Boyd immediately. So, like, at what point does she have the chance to steal one? Uh, and Boyd, you know, keeping the pizza portal one, you know, when he's not even thinking of pizza. It wouldn't portal have pizza. made a lot of sense. Yeah, it would so have been I've, dumb luck. That's what Ed was asking. And so I don't think I think Raylan has all those. Documents I think Raylan now. has the documents. I'm, I might be wrong on that, but I think he's got them all. Uh, yeah, I might be, too. That'll be something I'm going to get up, kind of look for in the next episode to see if there's a paper trail there or if, or if anybody has that or if yeah, it's truly anyone something with, Raylan has. With, with fresher eyes on the situation, feel free to let us know in the comments or on Twitter. Antonio's at AC Mazzaro, two Zs, one R. I'm at Round Howard, Ron ha- like Ron Howard, but rounder, as always. Uh, let, let us know what you think about that uh, item in particular, about the podcast in general. But that's definitely that's definitely one thing who has the documents. You know, it seems like Raylan's got them all, 
But if you, if any of you guys out there caught that somebody is hanging on to another one, that's something that's over my head. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I didn't either. So we'll have to, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, and then one other, uh, housekeeping item is we have a iTunes feed for the justified shows. Uh, so if you are a, a post show recap subscriber, but you want to just subscribe to the justified feeds to make sure that you are not missing a single episode of what we're doing here as we cover the final season of justified, go to postshowrecaps.com slash justified iTunes. You can subscribe to us there or our RSS feed is postshowrecaps.com slash justified. So that'll be a pretty easy way for you to be able to follow everything that we're doing with justified as we are trucking through this final season. Antonio, do we have a good hashtag for this one? Uh, what it, I, I think so, but I can't remember what we were just talking about. That sucks. I know. I, I know. I said something. Oh well. We were talking about pizza. Yeah, we're always talking about pizza. Right? We're always talking about pizza. Let's go back to the beginning. I liked Yolo Choo Choo. All right, I thought that was pretty good. That's pretty good. So if you if you got all the way through this episode, give us hashtag Yolo Choo Choo Y O L O C H O O C H O O. Give us some some of the Yolo Choo Choo train and. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll be back next week talking about another episode of Justified. Antonio, anything else? Anything else going on in your world here on Post Show Recaps? Yeah, we will be talking about uh, the premiere of Better Call Saul coming up in the next week or so. So keep your eyes posted uh, or keep your eyes peeled on our Post Show Recaps Twitter account at Post Show Recaps or follow me at AC Mazzaro, two Z's, one R, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Josh, are you going to be involved with that in some way? Uh, I think I'll be involved as a fan. Uh, we'll, we'll see. If you guys need me, that's that's fine. I'm not trying to say that I've actually already seen some Better Call Saul, but I might have already seen some Better Call Saul. I think you've already seen some I Better Call Saul. I may have already Saul, seen sure. some Better Call Saul. Uh, and I can only say that this is a show that needs to be covered by Antonio Mazzaro. Uh, so Antonio Mazzaro and Rob Sesternino are going to be bringing the Breaking Bad team back together again to talk about Better Call Saul. And I'm really looking forward to your insight because I think this show is kind of made for you. Perfect. Yeah, that, your your lawyerly skills. I'm a small time yeah. nobody lawyer that's going to change my name at some point. So that it, it, I it, thought it, you it, already it, changed your name. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. Okay. Uh, Why do you always do that? I'm not following you. I'm not following you. Yeah. Okay. All right. right. Well, follow us. (laughs) Follow our podcast. Follow our podcast. Follow what we're doing. And we will talk to you guys again soon. Take care, everyone. Bye.